Well, I am coming off uh, another beach retreat. You know, I added these up and, and I don't go an exact number. I think I've been on 35 beach retreats uh, over the years. Another great youth camp. This one is going to stand out for our family a little bit. Our, our whole family was down there. Some of us were campers. Some of us were, were helpers. But we were down there and we were coming up on our last night there, Thursday night. And uh, in the course of the service, we kind of do a variety of different fun things. And one of them is love letters. I won't go into explaining that right now, but the kids have a lot of fun with it. Well, uh, in, in part of this, my, my oldest daughter, Mary Beth, uh, was kind of set up. She thought she was getting up that a, a seventh grader had written her a love letter. Well, as that letter started to get read, uh, our youth pastor turned it over to the person who actually wrote it, which was her, her boyfriend of almost three years from Virginia Tech. He surprised her, showed up, and in the love letter asked her to marry him. And, uh, and she said yes. And so it was... Uh, Man, I give the guy 10 points for bravery. I mean, both families were there. About 400 youth and parents were watching. And, and uh, he proposed to her. And it was, a, it was a pretty exciting moment for our family. I have to be honest with you. I've been through a couple of graduations and everything. This one's kind of caught me here. Got just really not processing that I kind of have a married child. So, because uh, you know, they're all like this forever. But uh, pretty exciting event. It was a great youth week beyond just that great event in our family. You know, it's always, you always come off a of youth week. It's always the best one ever. Always the best one ever. Man, there's a, there's a spiritual high. There, there's a spiritual excitement. You've seen God new and afresh and you know some directions that you need to take in your life new and afresh. And of course, it, it, it takes work to get to that. I mean, we wake up in the morning. We're out on the beach at nine o'clock having, having our quiet times on the beach. And then we move into a time of worship and teaching. And then there's some free time. And then they're back into worship and teaching. And then there's small groups. And man, after four or five days of this, you're starting to get get it. And that was our theme this week is how to keep it. Because you know, we have to come home, don't we? You have to come home from the retreat and, and live in this world. And so a lot of the teaching, a lot of the theme was on how you go from where you've been this week and how you hold on to that, how you live it out and, and keep it. And uh, man, it was just an awesome week. We saw 18 young people pray to receive Christ and get baptized there on the beach during the course of the week. Uh, so, I mean, it was just, it was all good. Uh, you know, it's fun being at youth camp, fun being with youth. Nothing like spending a week with youth to remind you that you're not, that, you, that you're not a, a youth anymore. And, uh, you know, I mean, you get, these kids, they eat like garbage and they have these rock hard beach bodies. You know, I wanted that. I, I started working on it the Thursday before. I, I ate nuts and berries all weekend, did a bunch of push-ups on Sunday, and it, it didn't make any difference. I mean, I still have a body like a Greek statue. It's just not carved out of marble anymore. It's more like a cheese or something, you know, <laughs> what I'm talking about. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, we all know what I'm talking about. You ever stood before the mirror and thought, man, I got to do better than this. I, I've, just, I've just got to do better than this. And so we go and that's when we buy a pair of shoes, running shoes, or we go get a membership at the gym and man, we're going to eat healthy. We're going to eat better. We're going to eat nuts and berries and green stuff. And, you know, we're, we're going to do better. And we give ourselves sometimes upwards towards a week to meet all of our goals. You know, and, and if you go by the statistics of, of the gym memberships and the running shoes and the diets, I, I mean, it's, it's not going to last and it's probably not going to work, you know. And folks, I want to tell you something. The problem is not what we add. The, the problem isn't what we add. It's what we don't delete. 
You know, I mean, it's, it's good. It's good to add the 30-minute run. You go out for 30 minutes, you run, you burn 300 calories, then you come home and drink a Coke, basically undoing the entire run. You know, we, we go out and we, we eat that green thing. Oh, my God. And by the way, not the whole thing. Golly, just break off one of these pieces, you know. And if you just cover it in ranch dressing, it just really goes down easier, doesn't it? But I mean, we eat the green thing. And that's good. Man, there's a lot of benefits in broccoli. There's a lot of good in broccoli until I throw the three donuts right on top of it. And if we do that, don't let's be honest. I mean, let's be honest. You know what? You have a healthy lunch. You have a healthy dinner. You went to the gym. Now you're sitting there watching TV. It's about 9 o'clock at night. And here comes the thought. You know, I deserve a bowl of ice cream. I, de- I deserve it. Is it, so the problem is not what we're adding to our life. Man, you add this, there's good, there's good, there's benefits. problem is a lot of times we don't maybe delete some things that need to come out so that that does what it's supposed to. Now, folks, let me, let me ask the question again. You ever stand before the mirror and think to yourself, man, I got to do better in this. But you're not talking about your body. You're talking about life. Man, I got to do better in this. I want more than this. I want better than this. Maybe you're saying, man, I want, I want God's will for my life. I want God's perfect for my life. Well, folks, I got good news for you this morning. God wants his perfect for you too. No maze to work through. No secret code. No long list of things you've got to accomplish. And then he'll, he'll hand you the prize. God wants you to have his perfect Let's see what that offer looks like this morning. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some in the chairs in front of you. I hope you'll grab one and read along. We're going to have the verse up on the screen also that you can read. But I encourage you to have a Bible. You might want to read some of the surrounding verses while I'm talking, especially if I get a little boring or something. There's some good stuff around 12 too that's pretty exciting. So uh, open your Bible. You know now, man, we've been in Romans a while. We've worked through 11 chapters. That was 11 chapters of doctrine. 11 chapters of what we believe. 11 chapters of things that needed to be explained and defined for us on, on God, on man, on righteousness, on wrath. A lot explained there. Now as we come into chapter 12, we take a turn and it's about not how we believe but how we live. And that's why the first word in 12.1 is, therefore, therefore, in light of what you've learned, in light of what you believe, what is to happen in your life? What's the change? What's the difference that there is supposed to be? In chapter 12, and this is going to be true through the end of chapter 16, the end of the book, but really in chapter 12, it's about change. And verse 2 is talking about a change that needs to take place in our relationship with the world. And it's about some addition, but it's about some subtraction too. Let's look and see what this is. Look up here. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. I I think it's interesting that Paul switches words. Conformed just simply means to be molded and to be shaped by So it's saying, don't be molded, don't be shaped by the world, but couldn't it just flip over and say conformed again and say, but rather be molded, be shaped by God. But it doesn't do that. It changes words to transform. There's got to be a change. Do you know why? Because folks, you and I are not starting at neutral as we read this verse. We've been conformed. 
It's already happening. The the issue now is to what degree, how much more, how much further will we go in being conformed? We've been conformed to the world. That, That verb is written in the passive, meaning we're just sitting there, we're absorbing it. It's taking place. And so it's a stop letting this happen. There's got to be a change, not just a, a, a conforming to God. There's got to be a complete transformation by the renewal of your mind. Why do I want to have that renewal of my mind? So that I can test, so that I can discern, so that I can approve what the will of God is and find out just how good, acceptable, and perfect that it is in my life. Now, folks, last week I, when I introduced chapter 12 to you, I told you there's a great book out there on, on Romans 12 called Living on the Edge by uh, Chip Ingram. It's still a good book, even a week later. Uh, I strongly recommend it. And um, I used a lot of his notes, as a matter of fact, in, in putting my sermon together today and want to give credit where it's due. But one of the things he said was, you know, a lot of times when we study 12.2, and 12.2 is a pretty well-known verse, isn't it? I, I mean, I'd probably put that in the top... I don't know, 10, 15, 20 most well-known verses in the New Testament. That's a memory verse for a lot of folks. Don't be conformed to the world, but be trans. We know this verse. And he says, you know, a lot of times it seems like when we study this verse, we study on the front end. What does not being conformed mean? What does being transformed mean? And our focus is on the front end of 12.2, and then we add the back end kind of like a quick tag. And then you'll be able to test this. You'll be able to discern this. But the purpose of 12.2, the the purpose of not being conformed, the purpose of being transformed is the back end. The whole purpose of the verse is, is what? Look what it says there. That you and I might be able to test. Think of that word test like a test drive. Taking a car out on a test drive, find out how, how good it is and that's what you want. And so what Paul is saying here is, listen, I want to get you in a place in your life where you can take God's will, you can take God's word, take it on a test drive. Take it on a test drive in your marriage, in your sex life, in your finances. Take it on a test drive with your enemies. Take it on a test drive over there in your disappointments and your hurts. Take it on a test drive in your personal goals, your personal values, your life. Take it on a test drive. Find out how wonderful it is, how perfect it is. Folks, can you imagine being able to look over the course of your life, survey the landscape of your life, and say, that's perfect, that's perfect, that's perfect, that's perfect, that's perfect. Now, by saying that everything is perfect, we're not saying everything in life is kicks and giggles. We're not saying it's all just big one bowl of cherries and that's exactly what I'd want. That's not reality. In the world we live in, we're going to live in some places that it's not fun. Guess what? God's got a will in that. God's got a direction for you in that. God's got something for you in that. Even in the midst of hurt, the midst of loss, the midst of disappointment, where you and I can arrive at a place and say, man, this is perfect. This is where God is. This is where God is working. This is what he's doing in my life. That's perfect. And folks, we we shouldn't have to sit here and imagine it today. This is what God wants for us. This is what he has for us to enjoy. Now, when we hear that, don't you just want to say, How? (laughs) How? How does that happen? I want that. You said there was no maze. You said there was no secret code. So how do we enjoy that in our life? Folks, you know, I rarely say something like this in a sermon. I'm going to say it today. I think it's easy. The issue here is not how. How we enjoy this. How we It's very simple. Very simple to understand. It's very simple to do. Our problem is not in the difficulty of how or, or the knowledge of how. Our problem is that we're torn between two worlds. 
Our, our, our problem is that we're torn between the broccoli and the donuts. Man, I want, I want the broccoli. I want its benefits. I want the health and strength. I want what the broccoli will give me. But I don't want to give this up. Guess what? You're not going to experience and enjoy the benefits of the broccoli when you're putting the donuts on top of it. Now watch this, folks. I want to read the Bible. I want to understand the Bible. I want to apply it to my life. I want to enjoy the Bible. You see, we want to add. We want to add. I want to add the Bible. I want to add prayer. I want to add church. I want to get that added into my life. But there's things we don't want to delete. And it's not just that it's some things we don't want to delete. What I'm going to try to show you in a moment is, folks, we are so way out of balance in our diet. Man, there's got to be a change. There's got to be a, a significant change. Now, we, that, we're, we're earning chapter 12. Chapter 12 is talking to us about that change. Last week in verse 1, we saw the change is in our relationship with God. That, that change, you remember, that was not a change from being lost to saved. As we enter chapter 12, it's assuming everybody reading this is saved. It says, therefore, brothers. Brothers is a word in the New Testament. When it says that, it says family, body of Christ, the, the fellowship, the community. So the change is not about being lost and then being saved. The change here is in our relationship with God. And you remember as we said last week, number one change that needs to take place in our life is every area of our life needs to be dedicated to Him, needs to be surrendered over Him, to serve Him. The whole of our life and all of the pieces. You remember we said last week, man, we ought to be able to draw a line from every piece of our lives straight to God. Here's how this relationship is serving Him. Here's how this problem is serving Him. Here's how this job is serving Him. Every piece of our life, we should be able to draw that line. That's the first change that needs to take place in our life. The second change is introduced to us in verse 2, and it's about our, our relationship with the world. And it gives us a negative command. It gives a positive command, and then it gives the purpose. Now, we've already looked at the purpose. The purpose is that I'd be able to pick up God's Word, which is synonymous with God's will. Folks, God's will for your life is in this book. For, for, your, for your life as a whole, for every piece of your life, God's will is in here for you. And God's purpose is that as you and I diet on this, as we eat on this, as we ingest it into our lives, we're going to find out how good and perfect and wonderful it is. Man, this, this test drive worked. Sign me up for one of those. That's the purpose. But for that to happen, there's got to be a change. Because see, as you and I live in this world, as we apply God's will in this world, we are living in a toxic environment. We are living in a totally, completely poisonous world. And so the scripture says, man, you guys have got to wake up to this. You cannot be conformed. You cannot keep giving your mind over to be shaped and molded by the world. You know, you know what God has for you? Everything. When God looks at you, he looks and he thinks, man, I want them to know my love. I want them to know my forgiveness. I want them to know grace. I don't want them driven and, and beaten down by guilt. I, I want them to know eternal life. I want them to know eternal riches. God has everything for us. And yet you and I are lured away by Satan. What does he have for us? Absolutely nothing. He lies. He steals. He makes promises he cannot fulfill. He does not love you. He wants nothing for you. Satan is the established enemy of God. 
His whole purpose, his whole existence is to fight the plans of God, the work of God. And do you know how he does this? You may have never thought about this before. Satan attacks God through you. The destruction of your life is how Satan tries to take a swipe How Satan tries to take a swing at God. It's to destroy you. You are nothing more to Satan than a pawn. And and yet we are letting him mold and shape our mind. We're following after. Now he's, he's smart. He's tricky. He knows what lures us. As a matter of fact, 1 John really explains this. Really defines this for us. Listen to this. This is 1 John Not the Gospel of John, but near the end of the New Testament. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. John's writing and he says this. He says, do not love the world. Now, just a minute ago, I was told not to be conformed to the world. But folks, when conformity runs its full course, you know what happens? I fall in love with it. I may not have liked it at first. I may have seen the wrong in it at first. But I kept dieting there. And and pretty soon, the more I ate from it, the more I drank from it. You know what happens? We acquire a taste for it. I I don't know about y'all, but the first time I had a cup of coffee, and I, I don't know, I was probably 13 or 14 the first time I actually had a sip. I didn't think, wow, that's really good. First time I had a cup of coffee, I went... I mean, it was bitter. Ugh! That's no good. But at some point in my life, I came back to it, and I came back to it again, and I came back to it, and pretty soon I went from not liking it to I had an acquired taste for it, and then I went from an acquired taste to, hey, I really like this, I really want that, and I loved it, maybe even addicted to it. That's exactly what these two words here. Hey, if you don't stop the conformity, you're going to end up in love with it. Your passion is going to be for the world. And folks, quite often in the New Testament, the word world and and Satan are used almost interchangeably. Satan, they're not the same thing, but Satan uses the world system to lure us and to woo us. And this passage talks about how he does it. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. You You can't go back and forth, folks. And Let's be honest, that's exactly what we try to do. We're on a seesaw, a little bit of love for the world, a little bit of love for God. We're trying to balance it out. Hope we come out ahead. You can't balance it out. You can't go back and forth. And here's how Satan, who has nothing for us but destruction, this is how he gets us to follow him. How do we follow him? Three things. For all that is in the world is the desires of the flesh... Your translation might say the lust of the flesh. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the three tools, those are the three basic things that Satan is using to try to mold your heart and mind away from God and to him. Now, let's think about what those things are. The lust, for, uh, the lust of the flesh, that's pleasure of the body. And then there's a variety of ways that we can have pleasure from, from what we eat... To, to maybe how we play or exercise. Of course, I think probably the biggest thing that comes to our mind is, is sex. As a matter of fact, we'll just kind of use that one word to represent lust of the, the flesh. Sex. Satan is using sex. And doesn't, I mean, don't we all know that's what he, don't we all know that's what we're lured by? I mean, Madison Avenue's figured it out, haven't they? They can sell everything. They can sell anything and everything with sex. Clearly, our minds are, we're, we're, we're pulled by this. We're lured by this. Lust of the eyes, that's things, that's stuff. Man, I need more stuff. More stuff and I get happier. More stuff and it fills up the hurt, it fills up the emptiness. More stuff and I look important. More stuff and I look like I have a lot. And so we go running after stuff. And how do we get stuff? Money. 
And so we'll just kind of symbolize that, that, lust of, that lust of the eyes with salary. So what's Satan using to mold me? What's he shaping? How's he calling me away from God? Sex, salary, and the third thing, the pride of life. Status, worth, value. Man, we all want that. I want to know my life means something. That it counts for something. I'm not just taking up space and air. Yeah, the pride of life. I want to be, want to be big. So status. Now, folks, those three things, sex, salary, and status, those are not bad things. Those things in and of themselves, there's nothing sinful. There's nothing wrong about those. When I go to God's word, God has a way. He has a will. He has a timing for me to experience and enjoy all three of those things. Those are, those are things I was created to experience and to enjoy. And this book tells me when and it tells me how. Satan comes to us and you see it right in Genesis 3 and says, Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know if God's really got your best in mind. You know what? I think I've got a better way for you. I've got a better timing. We can do this much faster than that. And man, we start following. He's never fulfilled anything. He's never come through on anything. But we're so driven by that. And he's using everything to mold and shape us. We are conformed. You know, folks, when you, when you wake up, and I'm not sure it's not happening when we're asleep too. But when you wake up, the world is trying to conform you. The world is trying to mold you. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything where this is not happening. As a matter of fact, if all I do today is go to Walmart, I, you know, I need to go by, I need to pick up my broccoli, I need to pick up my donuts. And so I've got my broccoli and I've got my donuts and I'm standing there in line. Just two minutes. That's all I'm going to stand there in line for is two minutes to get my broccoli and my donuts. And in those two minutes, I'm standing there. This is what's all around me. Now, I'm not going to buy the magazine. I'm not going to open it up. I'm not going to read the article. It's just sitting there. I mean, all I got to do is just look up. Oh, my gosh. 52 sex tips. 52? Shoot. <laughs> that sure seems like a lot. Now, I, you know what? I, I, I shouldn't be looking at that or, or, or her. But you know, the message was sent. Man, you know, maybe God's word doesn't really tell me where great sex and passionate sex and real sex. Maybe, maybe, maybe she's got something in mind here. Maybe, maybe, maybe Cosmopolitan knows more about this than God does. I mean, did now, are you thinking those exact words? Probably not. But let me tell you something. It's sitting there and that's the message it's sending. And that's how your mind's being conformed. So, you know, I see that. Oh, my God, I shouldn't be looking at that. So I look over here. Ah! A home she'll want to come home to. Ten objects. And here's the word. Ten objects of desire. If I got these ten things, I'll be important. If I got these ten things, I can keep my wife. If I got these ten things, I got, I've got value. Man, the pride of life. I, I, I shouldn't be looking at that. So I look over here at Boy Wonder. There he is. He's my hero. He's going to be Robin. Style forecast. That's what I'm always looking for. What's the style forecast? 32 pages of the best suits, shoes, ties, jackets, and accessories. I don't even know what accessories are. But it says right here, and I know you can't read it, but it says right here, accessories you need. I need? I mean, gosh, you know, I know I'm not completely happy in my marriage, and that's struggling a little bit, and things are rough at work, and I've been feeling a little bit empty. Maybe that's it. Maybe that. Now, are you thinking that way? Probably not. But folks, that's exactly what's happening. 
You see, a lot of times we'll say, I'm not being conformed. It's not affecting me because we don't see ourselves going from a one to a ten. Folks, Satan's patient. He's got time. He doesn't need to move you from a one to a ten. Matter of fact, he's just as happy to just throw that out there. Boy, you need more stuff. One to 1.1. 52. to 1.15. And then, folks, it's weeks and it's months and it's years. And all of a sudden, I'm way down here. And I don't think God has anything to say about sex. That's just weird. God and sex in the same sentence, that's just stupid. See, that's how Satan formed my mind. It took him a while, but he got there. Because, folks, the problem is not just magazines. It's not just the two minutes you're standing in line to get your broccoli and donuts. The problem is the conversations going on all around us at school and work. Some of those conversations we shouldn't be in. Some of them we can't help. I I can't get out of that. (laughs) Now, if that's a problem at my job, we got a real problem, don't we? (laughs) Got to get rid of the whole staff up there doing dirty jokes and cussing and everything. (laughs) But you know what? Some of it you can remove yourself from. Some of it you can't, right? Some of you're kind of stuck there. And it's not just dirty jokes and, and, and cuss words. There's a constant stream of values being communicated in every one of those conversations. Folks, we're being conformed. And the Bible says our diet, our, our acquired taste is so much for the world. Let me give you a perfect illustration of how we've acquired a taste for the world and not for God and His things. If I were to say, here's, here's your assignment, okay, as if I could give you all an assignment. But here it is. Your assignment today is to go home and for the next seven days, I want you to read the Bible for five minutes a day. Read the Bible all seven. Don't miss a day. Go straight to hell. No, you won't. You won't. Seven days, I want you to read the Bible for five minutes. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. For a lot of us, that'd be something. I'm not saying you couldn't do it. It'd be work. Okay, I got to think about that. When am I going to do that? I don't want to forget. How am I? Hey, would you remind me? Make sure I do. I mean, it would take work. Take some work. Now, maybe I'm being a little bit exaggerating with five minutes, but folks, it takes some work for most of us for the next seven days to read God's Word for five minutes. Let me ask you a question. How much work does it take you to sit down in front of the TV for three hours every single night? Not for the next seven days, for 365 days a year. The answer is it takes no work at all. You don't have to plan it. You don't have to think about it. It just happens. Well, that, that's not a fair illustration. I mean, I, yeah, I watch TV. I do it at the end of the day. I'm tired. I just want to relax. I just want to rest. Not everything can be work and study and effort. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I agree with you. Do you realize what you just said? God's Word is work. It's not pleasurable. It's effort. The TV, that's where I relax. That's where I rest. That's where I find peace. That's where I can unwind Folks, let me ask you a question. Which one takes work? This takes work. I got to plan this. I got to think, I got to eat something green this week. I don't have to plan this. I don't have to think about this. You see, when we talk about the ease of one thing and the work of another, we're talking about our acquired taste. So that the ways of the world are now where our rest, our refreshment, our peace Our relaxation is. Folks, this is not a sermon against TV, believe it or not. I watch TV. I'm not against you watching TV. This is not, I'm not going to give you, you can't watch this, you can't do this, you can't go there. I am saying you better start being aware. Our diet is way out of whack. If I could put this in terms of calories, I mean, folks, how much time do we spend with the Lord each week? An hour at church, 
I mean, really, I think a lot of us, 10, 15 minutes a day for seven days, that'd be getting it, wouldn't it? Well, okay, what seven times? That's another 70 minutes. Two hours and 10 minutes. If most of us this week spent two hours and 10 minutes in God's Word, in prayer, with God's people, we would have done something. And we think we'd have done something. We'd come in here, I mean, God owes me now. Two hours and ten minutes? Really? Because we're sitting in front of the TV three hours every single day, nonstop. And that's just one thing. Then there's the movies. Then there's the music. Then there's the conversations. Then there's the magazines. Folks, of course, obviously I'm just making all this up, but I don't think I'm far off. I think basically what's happening is we're taking in about ten to 15,000 calories of the world every single day of our life. And we're taking in about 150 to 200 calories of God every day of our life. And then you know what we're doing? We're going, man, you know what? I tried and it didn't work. I tried, I tried to read my Bible. I tried to go to church. I tried, I tried, it didn't make a difference in my life. Yeah, folks, it's not going to make a difference. It really isn't. Not at 10,000 to 200. It's not going to have much of an impact. You can eat the broccoli, but if you throw the three donuts on top of it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to make the difference that you're looking for in your life. We are gorging on the world and we're dieting on God. So when it says don't be conformed but be transformed, folks, this is what I'm talking about. We've got to acquire a whole new taste for God. You remember when, when Satan came to, uh, to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus is at the, he's at the very beginning of his public ministry. He's, he's about to come official. And he's come out of the desert. He's been fasting for 40 days as he's beginning his three-year ministry that will end at the cross. Satan comes to him to tempt him, tempts him with three temptations. You'll be able to draw a line from the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Man, he's hungry. Man, it feels good to eat when you're hungry, doesn't it? Satan says, hey, why don't you do one of those tricks where you do a mirror? Change something. Change, change these rocks into, into, into bread. Do you remember what Jesus said? Man does not live by, by bread alone. Now, we do live by bread, make no mistake. I mean, if you're tired, if you're grouchy, you're, you're, you're at the end of yourself, you eat, you feel better, don't you? It, kind of, it picks you up, it lifts you up. Life is sustained, life is strengthened by eating physical food. But Jesus said, now, wait a minute, Satan, it's not just sustained by bread. Life is sustained, life is strengthened by God's way. And you're suggesting a way that is not his. God's work is not for cheap tricks and gimmicks. You see how he stopped him? You see, Jesus had dieted on God's word. And folks, here's our challenge. As you and I leave this room and as we head out into the world, you can't take your worldly diet from 15,000 calories down to zero. I really don't think you can. I don't think I can. Some of it we can remove and some of it we should. As a matter of fact, put, put my, uh, my list up here. This is a, being, a, being aware of the diet, how the world is conforming us. Do we have that list? There we go. Well, this is what we want to be aware and control of. We've got to limit the toxins. We've got to limit the poison that is forming and shaping our mind. It's media. That's obvious. TV, news, movies, music, books, magazines, billboards, education. Education is a huge shaper. 
huge shaper of immorality in ways that are not of the Lord. Ungodly influences. That's friends. That's co-workers. Some of them we probably need, I mean, let's be honest, some of that we need to dismiss out of our life. We need to move in a new direction. The sad thing is we should be in that relationship. We should be there to influence them with the gospel. But if you're like me, we've all had relationships where I had zero impact for the gospel, but they sure had a lot of impact on me. And sometimes, you know what? I've lost my ability to be a witness there. I need to back out of that, need to end that. Some relationships we can't get rid of. Some we can't move. We, we, we're going to have to become aware and control. Being aware, folks, just means, man, I'm telling you something. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not walking anywhere. I'm not hearing anything where Satan's not using something to shape my mind away from God and toward him. I've got to become aware of it. I've got to tr- control it where I, can, where I can stop it, where I can get it out of my life, where I can reduce those calories. I need to. And, and where I can't, I've got to be aware of it and limit it and be sharp and be in prayer. We've got to be able to do this. Now, you know what I'm not going to do today? I'm not going to give you a list. I mean, wouldn't this seem like a good place to say, don't go to rated R movies. What are you thinking in a rated R movie? I'm, I'm not going to give you a list like that. Probably a very good application of Romans 12.2. But Romans 12.2 seems to be a huge seedbed for legalism. Romans 12.2, we come out of there with our list of rules. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do. This is where you can go. This is where you can't go. And we come up with a list. And by the way, we, we mold a list because remember, we're already conformed. So we mold a list to our liking. And so what I say in my list, I look at Romans, I tell you what we do. I tell you what we do. We're not going to drink Coke anymore and we're not going to eat chocolate chip cookies. I, ne- I don't like them anyway, but I, that's what we're not going to do. No more Coke, no... You're drinking a Coke, you ungodly sinner. And this, is, this is what goes on in the church. Now, while I'm condemning you for drinking Coke and eating chocolate chip cookies, you know what I'm doing over here? I'm drinking a Sprite and having oatmeal cookies because that's not on my bad list. Well, what's the difference? You see, folks, some of us, and by the way, I'm not saying the rules you make up, of, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying the rules are wrong. They may be very good rules. Just doubt yourself. Understand you make rules that you want to keep while the back door is wide open and Satan's having a party. So that's awesome. Make your rules. Don't use them to judge others. You know what? Every one of us individually stands before God. And God gave you Romans 12 too. He gave it to you today. If you've never heard it before, you got it now. He told you, man, you got to control your diet. You've got to work at acquiring a taste for me. I, said, I want to try harder. You don't need to try harder. You need to control the diet that's going into your mind. You've got to move from the taste you have for the world to the taste you have for God. And, and, and while we're deleting those things, what we're adding to our life is God's Word, God's people. Man, I need, I need God's people in my life. You know, we talked about those people that don't have good influences and those bad conversations. Well, that's why I need good people and I need good conversations and I need good encouragement and people that I'll study God's worth with and, and people that will encourage me to, to study God's worth. Folks, that's why we are constantly talking about life groups. Do you realize if your entire experience with the Lord is in this big room, you're not building any relationships because that's not what this room is about. This hour, this moment is not going to help you accomplish that. That's why we promote life groups. That's where you build those relationships. That's where that encouragement comes from. We need a heavy diet of God's Word. Man, the Scripture tells us we're, we're to be ingesting this in all kinds of ways. We're to, we are to hear it. We are to read it. We are to study it. We're to memorize it. We're to meditate on it. 
And you're not to pick one of those five things. Go to the next slide there so they can see those five things. You're not to pick one or two or four. Folks, all five of those are commands. All five of those things, all five of those ways, you're to be ingesting God's Word on on a daily and a weekly basis. I need to put myself under the sound of God's Word. It's preaching. It's teaching. I need to be reading it. Reading it alone. Reading it with others. Studying it alone. Studying with others. I need to be meditating on it. Meditating kind of a spooky word, isn't it? Ooh. You know, meditating just means mulling it over. Just kind of tossing it around, working on it till it becomes mine. As a matter of fact, look inside your bulletin. I don't have my bulletin. Look inside your bulletin. Right under the title there. You see what it says? Faith talk. You say, when did you start putting that there? About three years ago. Every single Sunday, there's faith talk in there. You know what those questions are? Just meditation cues. Meditation prompts. Those questions are a way for you to leave here today. And and whether it's by yourself or as a couple or as a family. To kind of mull over what you heard. Think about it. Hey, what is 12-2 saying to us? Man, what, what are some things in our life we just need to, we need to clean that completely out of the diet? What are some things we can control? Hey, how can we add this as a family? How, how can we do this as a, as a, it's some ways for you to mull over, to meditate on it. It's there every single week for you. Folks, we got to, we got to direct our car to a new place. We just got to stay away from the golden corral of Satan. We got to move over to the golden corral of God. We got to be eating at his buffet. Folks, think how many people leave here guilty, heavy with frustration because they're trying, or how many people leave here with a bad witness. I tried it, it didn't work. Yeah? Yeah, 100 calories of God is not going to generally match up to your 10,000, 15,000 calories of the world. And a whole transformation has to happen, folks. Why? So God will love you? Why? So you'll be a good person and we'll applaud you? No. So you can take this baby out for a spin. Find out how perfect it is in every area of your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I I pray for each of us in this room today that you will give us spiritual eyes to see. I pray that as we go throughout this week... That we realize that God, we're not in neutral and nothing, not one thing around us is in neutral. Everything is calling me to God and His ways or it's calling me to the world and Satan and, and His ways. God, just open my eyes to the messages, blinking, flashing, yelling in my ears, in my eyes. Every minute of the day. Just let me see it. Let me become aware. Pray that for each of us. Because God, I really believe if we see it, if we see how profound and clear it is, I think a lot of us will make the right decisions. Because we don't want that. We do understand that Satan wants nothing for us but hurt and destruction. God, open our eyes to what we're ingesting all day long. Let us see how little we're ingesting of you. Holy Spirit, would you help this transformation take place in our lives. We need your help. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.